0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show across the nation. 12 hours ago, I was still watching the Chargers Raiders game. My goodness gracious. That game did not end until after midnight. And I really wanted a tie. Welcome. The phone number. for what is the phone number? <laughs> it's a Monday. 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I really do hope you had a good weekend. Uh I did was restful and then that those football games yesterday, my goodness. I smoked ribs last night. I'm gonna to have to send out my rib recipe, I guess. I I keep modifying it a little bit. But um the Chargers Raiders game, had they had they just tied the game, they'd have both gone to the playoffs, and the Pittsburgh Steelers would have been booted from the playoffs. And Uh, NFL fans, I saw somebody on Twitter say NFL fans for the history of the game. Do not tie last night. Tying would be the greatest achievement in sports history. And I kind of think it would have been a lot of fun, had they? But the Raiders wound up winning the game, uh, knocking the Chargers out. It was, it was a fun, fun game to watch. Now, uh, what is not fun to watch is what is going on out there in the country. And I got to rehash some stuff for you. If you're new to the program, uh, nationwide, Oh, by the way. That reminds me, welcome, those of you listening on KXNT in Las Vegas, Nevada. Notice I said the home state right, Nevada, uh, not, not Nevada, as I grew up learning. I was on CNN when they instructed me to say Nevada, not Nevada. Uh, those of us not from Nevada say Nevada, but those of you in Nevada say Nevada, so I will say Nevada, and welcome. Now, we got we to gotta follow along on this. I think we are headed towards a moment in this country, and I don't mean to be a pessimist here, but, you know, you're never disappointed when you're a pessimist, but I, I think we're headed towards a a moment in this country that makes January 6th look completely like child's play. I mean, a lot of people, I, I think, overplay it. it. It is something far worse than what a lot of Republicans say, something far less than what a lot of Democrats say, but it wasn't good but I think we're headed somewhere far worse uh, and I don't think it's going to be the Republicans doing it. And I need you to follow along with me for just a moment, please let's let's begin. And and I've said this before with climate change and global warming, you know, by the way um, there's a study out that in the last two decades, natural disasters have cost uh, governments and insurance companies less then in the preceding 20 years, you don't hear that a lot, do you? It was out there at the Saw Roger Pilkey, I think. Note to that. But the left globally has internalized that democracy is bad for climate change, that we're all going to die. The world is going to an end. And you got Greta Thunberg out there demanding that actions be taken in this country. Uh, and in other Western countries, Great Britain, for example, France, you have a growing advocacy for eco-terrorism. And I'm not making that up. The New York Times, The New Yorker, uh, The London Review of Books, they've all given praise to a guy who is writing about uh, encouraging eco-terrorism, blow up oil pipelines. In this country, there have been a number of instances in the last two to three years of people doing just that, not blowing up pipelines per se, but sabotaging rail lines that are transporting coal, natural gas, and oil. And the media turns a blind eye to it. But when you internalize, just, just follow along with me here. When you internalize that we're all going to die in a decade and governments seem helpless to do anything about it, what would you do? If you really internalize, if you really believed, I mean, you and I, we hear this, oh, we got 10 years left. They've been saying we've got 10 years left for about 15, 20 years. Longer than that, 30 years, I guess. I mean, we've been having 10 years. It's like uh, 15 days to flatten the curve. We've had 10 years to stop global warming for the last 35, 40 years. But they really have internalized it now. They've really internalized it, that we've got 10 years. Now it's like nine, eight or nine years to save the planet, and nothing's getting done. In fact, there's a story out today in Axios that American Carbon footprint got larger. Our emissions grew in 2021. Now, part of that was because 2020, we were all stuck in our houses, but emissions grew. We're not going to meet the goal within the next 10 years that Biden set. If you really internalized that and you really thought we were going to die and government wasn't helping, wouldn't you take action? Or would you just curl up in the fetal position and say, well, game over, prepare to die? Some people would. But a lot of those who have internalized these things, they won't. Now let's move from climate change to the big issue. This week, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are headed to Georgia, my home state. They're coming down here with Senator Raphael Warnock to urge passage of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act, HR 1. Both are terrible pieces of legislation. Uh, The John Lewis Voting Rights Act is more restrained than H.R. 1. H.R. 1 is a grab bag of liberal policies designed to federalize elections and not allow the states to control their elections anymore. Lots of it is is arguably unconstitutional, but they want to pass it. It's not going to get passed. Progressives are furious with Biden and Harris coming to Georgia. They actually are. Uh, a number of major progressive voting rights groups are attacking the president and vice president for engaging in inconsequential theater. They're going to Georgia with Raphael Warnock. He's up for re-election. They want to help him. Warnock is out of touch with the people of Georgia. He's fixated on voting rights. To be fair, he was the senior pastor at Martin Luther King's Ebenezer Baptist Church. He's a progressive activist for voting rights and the like, but he's far to the left of even black voters in Georgia. He opposes photo ID. He opposes voter integrity, things like that. Things black voters support. He's way to the left of everybody. And Harris and Biden, they're going to Georgia. They're going to campaign with him. They're going to make a big play on voting rights. And progressive activists are furious because they say the fight's in Washington, not Georgia. Why aren't you in Washington dealing with Manchin and Cinema? Well, over the weekend, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema both said Their positions have not changed on the filibuster since the summer of last year. In the summer of last year, actually, it was, I think, March for Manchin, May for Cinema. They both released op-eds saying, no, we're not going to change the filibuster. Manchin apparently had been toying with the idea of he would keep the filibuster, but make it easier for measures to get to the floor of the Senate. So under the Senate rules, you know, if Republicans fight for filibusters, typically they don't bring stuff to the floor. Sometimes they will. They change that rule. But typically they don't. So Manchin essentially would make it very easy for the majority party in the Senate to get stuff on the floor of the Senate to be debated and killed by the filibuster. But it turns out that Kristen Cinema wants no change whatsoever. And Kristen cinema. says it would be bad for everyone. It would be mutually assured destruction. If you begin to change the filibuster from what it is right now, you need 60 votes to get anything passed in the Senate. And it's not really 60 votes to get anything passed. It's 60 votes to conclude debate. If you take 60 votes to conclude debate and you change it, you are ensuring the destruction of the Senate. And he's right. By the way, the Senate rules are filled with delay tactics and those delay tactics do not get used because of the filibuster. Do you know, under the rules of the Senate, Chuck Schumer could force a talking filibuster. It's not typically done. Chuck Schumer could make the Republicans do it. And all the conversations that you hear out there about the filibuster tend to ignore the fact that they really could go back to a talking filibuster right now if they wanted to. They don't. They want the theater. But there's a problem. Democrats have not just internalized we have less than a decade to save planet Earth. Democrats have now internalized that the Republicans are a threat to democracy. Democrats have internalized that we're all going to die at the hands of Republicans. The Republicans are fascist, they're authoritarian, they're totalitarian. They're all in on Trump. They're a cult. They're bad for democracy. And the Democratic Party has decided, you know, we're the Democrats. Therefore, we're for democracy. And they've got the news media helping them. The hysteria last week of January 6th. They've got the news media helping them on the climate change hysteria as well. So now let's follow along. Let's go down. Let's go. Let's explore this. You're a political party that believes the other party is a threat to democracy. You are a political party that believes democracy itself is a threat to the climate. You are a political party that believes the other party is a threat to the climate. You are a political party that believes if the other party comes back into power, you will never have a free and fair election again. That's what they're saying on MSNBC. It's Joy Reid's talking point. It's Eric Swalwell's talking point. It's all the Democrats believe this. So if you believe the other party is bad for the climate, democracy itself is bad for the climate. The other party is bad for democracy. The other party is authoritarian. Why don't you become authoritarian? Why don't you do this? I mean, I can see this coming. The Democrats really do believe that the Republican Party is bad for democracy. The Democrats really do believe the other party, the Republican Party, is a threat to the Republic. And they see the polling. My gosh, have you seen CNN? The talking points on CNN are starting to change now. Suddenly, it's, it's, you know, we've been living in fear of COVID. COVID's not so bad. We need to go back to normal now. Everybody needs to go back to They would not be saying this, except they tried the January 6th hysteria. They tried to whip everybody into a frenzy over January 6th, and nobody cares outside of the Democratic Party and the media. What people care about is normalcy, going back to life, realizing that the vaccines aren't stopping the virus at this point. Can't we just go back to life? The Democrats have a problem. The polling suggests they're going to get beaten badly in November. Joe Biden's polling is terrible. His unfavorables are at an all-time high. Republicans are tied or ahead on the generic ballot. And as much as redistricting has largely been a wash, Republicans do have a slight advantage to take back the House of Representatives. So if you're a Democratic Party that has internalized Republicans are bad for democracy. Republicans are bad for the environment. We're all going to die if we don't save the climate. And the Republicans, if they come back to power, are going to destroy the country. And we'll never have free and fair elections again. It's not that far a leap to decide you've got to take action to yourself. Become the authoritarian in order to save democracy. Bad guys never view themselves as bad guys. They always view themselves as the heroes. Stopping other bad guys. Want to be on the show? Call Eric now at 877-97-ERIC. That's
1: 877-973-7425.
0: Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, just a, a moment to note, Bob Saget has died. At 65 years old, the details are coming. Uh, no signs of foul play, drugs, or suicide. He was in a hotel room in Florida. He had done a uh, performance down in Florida, and then he died. Sad. Uh, he was on Full House, what uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. I mean, the, the guy was ubiquitous in my childhood and teenage years um, and is apparently just a highly regarded, very well-liked by a lot of people, uh, who who knew him within Hollywood and the comedy industry he helped a lot of a lot of younger people get uh, started in comedy and died that's sad um speaking of Florida Alexandria Ocasio-cortez and Eric Swalwell both went to Florida both of them were seen in Florida without masks on both of them now have the omicron variant it appears of COVID. um keep them in your prayers that they're they're sick and uh they're urging people to get vaccinated and boosted they were vaccinated and boosted so the side effects are are um mild and you know there's more and more data that omicron is mild for even the unvaccinated here's the thing though is they're obviously they want to blame florida and the spread in florida is pretty bad Uh, The spread in Florida for COVID right now is pretty big, but you know what's not? Deaths. The media for a long time internalized that um, deaths matter and hospitalizations matter, but with Omicron, that's not really true. And in New York City, hospitals are more likely to be overrun than in Florida with COVID, which is striking considering the vaccination rates and all. Um, they're having a real hard time sticking this to Florida. They're trying, but they're having a hard time. The bottom line, though, is that uh, at this point, the Omicron variant is bypassing vaccines and booster shots, mostly vaccines. Uh, but here's the bottom line on it. The 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 hospitalization rate has barely ticked up for vaccinated people. In fact, uh, the latest data shows that For the Omicron variant to be fatal, you've got to have at least four comorbidities, not just old age, not just old age and cancer, not just old age, cancer, and overweight, but old age, cancer, overweight, and diabetes, that'll get you. Isn't that kind of what we want, though? I mean, I, I I hate to put it that way because we've been for two years now in this pandemic. It's not really a pandemic anymore. It's, it's just this. Uh, we've got cold season, we've got flu season, we've got COVID season. And guess what? They all kind of align now. And isn't it a good thing that we have a variant of a virus we've lost control of and we cannot control that actually is fairly mild and the fatalities for it are essentially the same fatalities as flu. We know what to look for. And yet so many people still living in fear. The Wall Street Journal has an op-ed out today. The headline, actually, this is its commentary. I shouldn't say it's their official editorial, but their commentary, Omicron makes Biden's vaccine mandate obsolete. There's no evidence so far the vaccines are reducing infections from the fast-spreading virus. It's true. In fact, Rochelle Walensky was on with Wolf Blitzer. You should listen to this exchange.
1: Um, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if-
0: they can't prevent transmission anymore. They can't prevent transmission. Um, now, here, there's there's more Im- important. She went on to say that you should go back to wearing masks. I think people are over with masks. No one's going to wear in 95 masks. Even if you wear them, it's hard to get the seal right if you don't know what you're doing. Um, they're, they're now saying maybe not cloth masks anymore. And part of that, you, you need to understand it's not that they never worked. It's that they only reduce it about 10%. And the pandemic when hospitals were full, that mattered tremendously. Now, not so much. Now, if you really want to stop it, go to N95 masks, people aren't going to do that. You're not going to get people on airplanes to all wear their N95 masks. I mean, and even now in restaurants and airlines, the moment you get food or or beverage in front of you, you get to take off your mask, that stuff isn't going to change. At this point, there's a level of irrationality into continuing the way we started in the pandemic. It's time to move on. And amazingly, of all things, this conversation is starting to trickle out within the American press corps. When we come back, there is some key audio I want to play for you because You need to hear it as the media conversations change. But my question for you is, why so quickly? And I do mean so quickly. It's like a light switch flipped. Why are the conversations changing the way they're changing? I've got a theory on this, and I want to discuss it with you when we come back. Take your phone calls as well, 877-973-7425, Nationwide. It is Eric Erickson here from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be back. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. I am delighted to have you with me. The phone number, 877-973-7425. You know, by the way, I do a bad job of self-promotion. I hate to self promote. My gosh. So I got to send an email out after the show today to a lot of different people in radio touting my accomplishments. And you know, I mean, there's there's something to be said. Uh, I my my ratings on my flagship station in Atlanta are, I mean, dominant noon to three. There's nothing in radio that comes close. Talk, sports, news, music, anything. Um, you, you got me. And nationwide, all the stations I've been put on since I started doing national syndication in June, my show is uh, higher in ratings than the shows I've replaced. A, a, a lot of a lot of good stuff. My gosh. Y'all, as, as much as I can be braggadocious here, I, I just, I, the work should speak for itself, I think. But it doesn't these days. And you got to send these little emails and say, I'm so wonderful. Uh, Nonetheless, I, I'm terrible at self-promotion. But I do have a website, ewerikson.com, And you can get the 24-7 live stream. You can find the podcast links. You know, if you text the word show to three three seven seven seven. You get that stuff as well. You can get the podcast links. You can get the the live stream. Uh, you can go to my Substack page ewerixon.substack.com. Ew Erickson everywhere on social media. You should follow me on Instagram. That's where you see all my cooking and stuff and my humidor. Y'all, I'm sorry. I, I I'm supposed to get to this stuff, but as an aside, so back before Memorial Day, I am not. You should know, in full disclosure, I'm not a huge cigar smoker, but I have friends who come over on Sunday. Philip, who works for me. Smoke cigars every day. I, not something I grew up doing. It's it's not something I do. I have a cigar on Sunday nights. Maybe if if I get together with friends during the week, I'll have a cigar. But I know that I can buy nice cigars and share with my friends. And so I have. And people have sent me cigars. And there are a couple of cigar manufacturers in the country where the proprietors turn out to be fans, and they've sent me boxes and boxes really nice cigars. And so I I had a humidor. I had to get a smaller humidor, and then I had to borrow a humidor. I was like, I'm going to get a big humidor made. And I found this company online. It's called Amadors, and they take ammunition boxes and turn them into humidors. And the one that I ordered, and I ordered it back before Memorial Day. It was going to be my Father's Day birthday gift last year. It's a landmine crate. That's right. uh, From Vietnam it's a crate that housed landmines. And so I got this big crate and they converted it into a humidor and they used a 50 caliber bullet as the handle. And it took forever. It showed up last week. I ordered it before Memorial Day last year. Now, I, for a while there, I was thinking maybe I got scammed. But it turns out uh, during the pandemic and all, everybody quit. All the all the workers quit. So the guy was left by himself to try to keep all of his orders going. And it took him forever. He reached out. He explained the situation. He sent me pictures. Like, all right, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. It took forever. Ultimately, I forgot about it for a while until he kept following up with pictures. So I got this ginormous landmine crate box in with all the warnings and the symbols on the sides and stuff. Converted into a humidor with a cedar insert for it's fantastic. And I have way too many cigars. So I have friends come over and they smoke my cigars. And I'm totally fine with that because they, they smoke more than me. Uh, They're connoisseurs. I'm not really, I kind of know what I like, but nonetheless, it's been, it's been really, really cool. And you can see it on Instagram If you follow me on Instagram at EW Erickson. That's why I brought that up. Now, total distraction. I need to get to to the big stuff here. So Brian Stelter on CNN runs reliable sources and reliable sources is essentially uh, the apology arm of CNN these days. Uh, It used to be that you could get even critical coverage of CNN from this show and now not so much. uh, They're obsessed with Fox News and they're obsessed with, with the misinformation about the vaccine from the media, particularly from Fox and conservatives. And yet the tone has dramatically changed. And I really do want to play you some audio from this. I think it's notable when, when, Anchors at CNN have an almost 180-degree shift in their positions overnight, particularly right after January 6th. There's got to be something going on here. Let me play you a couple of clips here. This is Brian Stelter himself. He's going to talk about a clip on NBC. We don't have to play the clip for you to get the gist of this.
1: Here's a great example, I think, of of how to cover this moment in time. Here's the Today Show. Here's Savannah Guthrie interviewing the CDC director, being very much in touch with the public, recognizing the CDC has turned into a punchline. It is so sad, but it's true. The CDC has turned into a punchline. Watch.
0: The CDC has turned into a punchline. It's sad, but true. That's, that's Brian Stelter. Now, here's Oliver Darcy on the same program, the other media reporter from CNN, used to be within conservative media, He's kind of renounced all of his his prior entanglements there. Uh, And now listen to this.
1: ...about some of this in the Reliable Sources newsletter. Here's a a big, overly broad question for you, okay? Is the media at this point out of touch with the public about COVID?
0: That's Brian Stelter's question. Is the media out of touch with the public on COVID? Here's Oliver Darcy's response. I I think it's hard to argue that, uh, you know,
1: the media is a a large uh, group of people, but... A lot of the media does seem, when I look at it, and, and then travel the country, to be very out of touch with people. I mean, if you travel the country, people are not really living in the same uh, bubble that it seems that uh, most of the media is messaging toward. And, right. and so, yeah. And, and so, I, I, I think this is an issue because if people are tuning out uh, what's going on in cable news, if we're not messaging toward uh, the general population, um, you know, they're, they're just you know, ignoring everything and, and living their lives. Uh, and, and we're not really getting the information that they need to them.
0: Really? Some of us have been saying this for quite some time. Now, they had on a doctor, Dr. McBride. And I want to play you some of what Dr. McBride said. Listen to this.
1: So as you just opened with Brian, this is a parallel pandemic of mental health in crisis. Mm. You know, we are bathing in fear. People have been worried and panicked necessarily because of the threat of COVID-19, which is absolutely real and and present. That said, those of us in the medical profession, particularly those of us who are patient-facing, who help people every day understand their unique vulnerabilities for disease, whether it's from COVID or cancer, we have an obligation to help people frame risk, to deliver fact-based nuanced information. Fear does harm. It only makes people afraid. It doesn't affect people's decisions. So when I'm on Twitter or right now with you, I'm trying to help people understand that, look, your risk for COVID is as different as someone else's. revving the emotional engines of people's anxiety only does harm.
0: Hello. Hello. I just find it remarkable that on CNN, suddenly we're having a conversation that you and I have been having for more than a year. Live reasonably, not in fear. Here comes this doctor on reliable sources after they attack the CDC and say the CDC's become a joke and the media is out to lunch and, and not covering the pandemic the way most people are living their lives and not relating to people. And suddenly they have on this doctor saying, um revving the emotional engines of people's anxiety only does harm. We've been saying this for quite a while that the media was engaged in fear mongering. And suddenly they've turned around. Why? Why, why, why now? Because they're right, by the way. They are right. The CDC has become a joke. There's a story out over the weekend that Rochelle Walensky and the CDC, they've hired media coaches to help them get back on track. The Biden administration is thinking of firing her. They believe she's done real damage. Dr. Fauci apparently behind the scenes advocating for them to push her out because she is, is rushing out without coordination. By the way, though, this is important here. Why is the CDC director doing this? Because there is not one person in charge. There should be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. But the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Becerra from California, is only interested in abortion. That's it. I'm not making that up. That's his only thing he cares about. That he does not care about the pandemic. He is not the health secretary of health and human services coordinating these messages and being the spokesperson. He's not doing it. They're allowing each individual person to do it. They're allowing Fauci and Walensky to contradict each other on television. It is a mixed muddied message. And it looks like she, because she's in Atlanta, not in Washington, she's going to be the one to fall on the sword. And by the way, probably deserves to because the CDC clearly has screwed up messaging. You would not be bringing in news people and messaging experts to help you get back on track if that wasn't the case. But here now, suddenly, a dramatic 180-degree reversal on CNN that we're scaring people, that the that although Omicron is bad and filling up hospitals, it's not as bad. It's more manageable. And, and Oliver Darcy saying that the media is, is completely detached from the public on this. I don't think it's a coincidence that this comes right after January 6th. You have the media go into overdrive on the January 6th coverage. And then all the polling comes out, and guess what? Surprise, the public doesn't care. I told you all, people don't care. They care about COVID. They care about crime. They care about education. They care about uh, empty shelves at the grocery store. They care about inflation. They care about gas prices, thankfully, coming down now. They care about a lot of things. They don't care about January 6th. And suddenly, the media's like, oh, my gosh, the Republicans could win in November on this. We got we to gotta help Joe Biden. We got to help. We got to do something. Let's throw the CDC under the bus. We need a fall guy. So the CDC is going to become the fall guy. Rochelle Walensky going to become the fall guy. Now, probably the appropriate fall guy at this point, but so is Fauci. Fauci's days are probably number two on this. Even if they don't boot him, they're probably going to put him back in a closet somewhere. The problem here is that they've lost the plot and the plot is there's an election in November and the Democrats polling is very, very bad at this point. They've got to do something to make it salvageable. They've got to do something to turn the corner. They're not thus far doing it and the public is getting mad at them. People are ready to go back and live their lives. And by the way, at this point it is very clear that at some point we're all going to get COVID of some kind. It's sweeping through everywhere the Omicron variant, you're not going to stop it with the vaccines at this point. You can minimize it. You can reduce the symptoms, but it just seems like at this point, fatalism is creeping in on people that everybody's going to get it. They promised us the vaccines would protect us. They said, you get the vaccine, you won't get it. They were wrong. People no longer trust any of this. They're just ready to go back and live their lives. That's going to have cascading effects across society. The Democrats have an election coming where they are worried Republicans are going to take back Congress and obstruct the rest of Biden's agenda. So now, of course, we're about to see a major change in the media. And you know the deep irony here is where we're headed with the media is they will be saying now what you and I were talking about this time last year. You can follow Eric around social media at E.W. Erickson on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And check him out at ewerrickson.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. You know, I, I, I really do tell you guys, you should follow me on Instagram, EW Erickson, E W E R I C K S O N. Cause you know, we do put up some clips of the show there. Although Philip tells me he's putting more on Facebook these days, which is fine. You can follow me there at EW Erickson as well, or YouTube EW Erickson or Twitter EW Erickson. You kind of, kind of get the theme there or go to EW Erickson.com. But on Instagram, you can also see what I'm cooking and stuff like that. I like Instagram the best. It's where I interact more with people because people are nicer on Instagram and it's less political. Nonetheless, um, what was I going to say? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know what I was going to. I know what I was going to talk about. Uh, There is uh, that swim meet this weekend. You know the swim meet. Uh, It was the transgender athlete from University of Pennsylvania or Penn State, uh, whichever. Uh, who was swimming and was expected to break the record of a female Olympian. And it turns out that the transgender athlete at Penn got beat by the transgender athlete at Yale. But to the credit of the transgender athlete at Yale, uh, it's a a woman transitioning to be a man, um, and she is not taking testosterone supplements to do so um, and good. So the the actual woman beat the guy and the teammates apparently for the Pennsylvania swimmer, the guy who's decided he's a woman apparently furious about the whole thing. They're fed up. Uh, several of them have gone on record and others are speaking behind the scenes. They're afraid they'll be punished by the university. The whole thing is nutshell. The whole thing is crazy. And what we, so Amy Schneider, is the guy who got a million dollars on Jeopardy and is transgender woman. The New York Times pushed out an alert to my phone. Anyone who has the New York Times app, anyone who subscribes to news, got it. Axios pushed it out. The Washington Post did. The New York Times did. CNN did, I believe, uh, and several others, announcing that Amy Schneider is the first woman to ever get a million dollars on Jeopardy. There's just a problem. Amy Snyder's is actually a man, transgender woman. The New York Times, if you read the New York Times, you would never have known that this was a transgender woman, just a woman. Now, you know, this is how quickly, then people say, why do you care? Why do you, well, you, I think you got to care about truth. And how quickly the 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 goalposts are being moved here. Just a few years ago, it was that, uh, that sex is biological, and gender is a social construct. And now it's all a social construct. And you're a bad person if you point out, wait a second, this is actually a man. You're, you're a bad person if you do that. But isn't it the truth? Shouldn't biology matter? Apparently, biology doesn't matter. NBC News over the weekend actually ran a story that claimed that there is little scientific support for the idea that a man who becomes a woman has a competitive advantage in sports. Really, there's actually a copious amount of research and real-world times. Do you know middle school boys tend to outperform college girls on the soccer field? Uh, There's an entire website where you can go compare middle school boys to female Olympic athletes. And guess what? The middle school boys at the top of their class almost always beat the female Olympians. It's absurd to think that this doesn't matter, that testosterone and biology don't matter, yet the media has embraced this. Now, the point here is not to go on a tirade about transgenderism, believe it or not. It's this. When the media does this, when the New York Times announces that this man is the first woman to win a million dollars on Jeopardy, and doesn't even note the whole truth here. The public at large has not bought into this agenda. and decides that the media is insane. When the media and the elite in this country, now who are the elite? The elite are the people who tend to have dominant impact on culture, conversation, public policy, the media, entertainment. When they embrace transgenderism and they run stories like this in the New York Times where Amy Schneider is the first woman to win a million dollars and never note, Amy Schneider is actually a man who has transitioned to be a woman. The public realizes we are led by insane people who have bought into insanity. And if these people, if the elite are not committed to truth, why should I be? If they're committed to just advancing a narrative and a cause, irrespective of the actual truth, why shouldn't I be? So we should not be surprised when people in this country no longer commit themselves to truth when the intellectual elite in this country don't commit themselves to truth anymore. When NBC News can run a story with a straight face saying there really is little scientific evidence that men have a competitive advantage against women when those men become women, despite all of the actual real-world evidence and scores out there, people have lost their minds. And if the media and the elite, if the headline writers of the New York Times and the major politicians of America have lost their minds, why should you expect the public to respect them and the institutions? And if they can't commit themselves to truth, why should you expect the American people to be committed to truth? If the, if the elite are committed to a narrative to advance transgenderism that is devoid of a lot of truth and science, why should you expect anyone else to do anything other than advance their own narratives, irrespective of truth and narrative of of science. I mean, if one's doing it, the other's going to do it. And the other, by the way, is going to increasingly disrespect their institutions.